Welcome to Herbal Hour, the podcast for those inspired by nature. I'm your host, Dr. Bogdan, and I'm a licensed naturopath and traditional herbalist, bringing you organic discussions with experts in natural medicine, alternative therapies, and holistic mental health. Hippocrates taught us that the doctor treats, but it is nature that heals. So take a deep breath and get comfortable. We hope you enjoy our conversations over a cup of the finest herbal tea. Because in nature, it's always Herbal Hour. Welcome to the Herbal Hour podcast. We have on special guest today, return guest actually, Rochelle Robinette. She's a registered herbalist and founder of Pharmacon Supernaturals and Herbals, a line of medicinal herb infused gummies. She also has been doing a lot of work in the field of herbalism. So I'm very excited to have her back on today and for us to discuss our passions about herbalism and hopefully give you guys some good tips on how you can improve your health with herbs the natural way. So welcome to the Herbal Hour, Rochelle. How uh, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm great. I'm so glad to be back on the show with you. I really enjoyed it last time and I know I'll enjoy it this time too. Yeah, we uh, we got into like a very philosophical conversation on last episode, which I, I really liked because... Yeah. You know, Love those. that's what I'm interested in. Uh, <laughs> so I think a good place to start out is if you can just uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself, what you've been up to for people that didn't see the first episode. Definitely. Yeah. So I'm a registered herbalist and I am based in Brooklyn, but do a lot of my work online at this point. So um, reaching, you know, anybody, anywhere, hopefully. And my main focus has really become herbalism education. So, you know, I shorthand that by saying, you know, teaching people how to be healthier with plants, which, of course, all of us herbalists are doing. Um, And for me, I've just uh, over the years, you know, had a lot of different projects, private practice and uh, cafe and apothecary product lines. And for me, the education, you know, it came first and it remains primary. So I do a lot of uh, education via classes, uh, content. We have a newsletter and a podcast and a show. And all of that is really, you know, teaching. It's teaching about um, why herbalism, what is herbalism, how do I understand it, where do I start uh, you know, how can it work with my probably very busy modern life? Uh, and then, you know, and then we get into the weeds on some of the specifics of the benefits of herbs and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happiest and, and most useful. I think when I'm teaching about what this space has to offer. So that's Mm. the, that's the high, the highest level sort of highlight of what I do right now. That uh, seems to be a key in uh, natural health is actually uh, teaching people about their own bodies and how they can mm. use these uh, natural resources to to heal themselves, right? Because pretty much anybody can grow herbs in their garden. So mm. really the question of education comes in of which herb you should grow and why and how to use it. And thankfully, we have a very long ancient tradition of usage to give us some tips there because as anyone knows who's dived into herbalism it can be a little bit overwhelming because there's so much information, there's so much resources, and it feels like you can never really know enough. And that's probably mm. true. You never really can know enough. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's kind of a lifelong journey there. I, yeah. um, I've i had a lot of people coming to me in some of the herbal classes that I've been teaching, asking about how do you get started in herbalism? Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a very common question. I mean, I'm glad it's a common question because that means people are interested in getting started in herbalism. Uh, and to your previous point, it can it can definitely seem daunting for so many reasons, right? Because there is that um, enormous volume of information. Uh, but the good news is that it's very easy to get started in, in herbalism and we don't have to know very much to make a really important difference in our lives and even in the lives of our community. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I always like to, I guess the other, the other point that I wanted to make there too, before I answer your, your question is, um, you know, herbalism has so many different offerings and kind of um, there's, there is so much information, which is actually, it's actually, um it's, it's, again, it's good news. Um, It's to our benefit because all of our individual health needs are so different. Each of us is so unique, you know, that herbalism can be exactly personalized. It can meet us wherever we need and however we need. So I'd like to position it that way too, as less of this kind of, you know, uh, wall, wall of this impenetrable wall of information and more Mm -hmm. of, you know, the good news is that, however, you know, specialized your situation is, um, then there's going to be an herbal solution for it. So in terms of getting started, it's a good idea to, you know, I always, I always recommend that people sort of self-reflect first, you know, when it comes to treating an issue, but also if you're interested in, in herbalism, um, tell me more about that or tell yourself more about that. Like what specifically about it interests you? Are you a gardener or do you want to become a gardener? Do you want to grow your own herbs? Are you interested in the aspect of medicine making and doing tinctures at home and learning how to brew teas? Um, do you want to become an herbalist? Uh, are you interested in herbalism for animals? Do you do you like the history of it? Do you like a specific um, school of medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, Compo, like all you know anything? Um, so. Based on that answer, then there's a little there's a little suggestion for where you might follow that lead, right? If it's medicine making, um, then there's a book for that, or there's a class for that. You know, there's there's a local herb shop nearby, or there's something online that you can tap into. And I find that it unfolds really quickly when we take that first step and either buy the book or attend the class or stop by the shop, or get to the farmer's market, and just learn a little more. So really one step at a time, one herb at a time. You know, I often recommend that people just start with one herb, find it, you know, go find it like that. That's what I did. You know, it's like, oh, I'm gonna go find mugwort at Mm -hmm. the at the local herb shop and see what it looks like and smells like and make a tincture and, you know, and it went from there. Mm -hmm. So like it really helps too to um, have an experience of herbalism, yes. like trying yes. the herbs, seeing how they affect you. Because uh, my experience when I was first getting started out and, and many uh, people's experience is they're quite amazed by how noticeable some effects of herbs mm-hmm. are, uh, especially mm-hmm. like the nervine herbs, the ones that are for the nervous system, like passion flower and St. John's ward and chamomile and lavender. And when you use mm-hmm. them at, um, uh, sufficiently high doses, 
where it's not just like a bag of tea, but you really have like a tincture, maybe take like three dropper fulls or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you notice that you're like, your mood and your mind state is different and your, your body actually relaxes. Like um, valerian is one of my favorites for demonstrating that when you take a sufficiently yeah. high dose, it's a pretty potent uh, muscle relaxer. So you can actually feel yeah. like your muscles relax, ease tension. And I think that's a really important uh, place to start because once you get that experience, you understand what herbalism is for. Because yeah. it can be kind of uh, abstract. You're learning all these terms and things mm -hmm. like that. But those are just attempts to categorize what the effects are. And the effects you can know by just taking it and and seeing. So it teaches That's... you a lot about body awareness. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just agreeing with you. And that's so well, that's so well put. I'm I, I love the direct experience, you know, and and what more motivating than that. Totally. You're mm -hmm. right. I love it. Mm -hmm. Oh, and Valerian. I'm having like a Valerian week. I've had so much of it this week. And it's like, I'm, I'm reminded of exactly what you mentioned, how, how noticeably effective it is. It's a really fun herb for chilling out. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely great. You know, it's used a lot for uh, sleep issues, mm -hmm. but my favorite use is for that like muscle tension relieving aspect because yeah. it's, it's quite uh it's quite noticeable. Um, yeah, yeah. And if anyone's ever experimented with valerian, it has a quite pungent and uh, particular <laughs> smell that some people really don't like. I know there was one time I was making like a big batch of uh, tincture, like yeah. heated up uh, and yeah. my whole place just smelled like pungent valerian. So yeah, it's definitely socks. an acquired smell. <laughs> so many herbs are like that. And some people have a barrier to entry where mm -hmm. they just don't like the taste of herbs and things like that. But sure. I think if you want to be an herbalist, you just got to break through that and just learn to yeah. get over because some yeah. herbs are, are, can be, can be pretty bitter. They can be not the greatest taste, but it's, um, you know, when you're using herbs in cooking, it is for the taste, but when you're using them medicinally, it's for the medicinal effect. So it's important mm -hmm. to remember. Mm -hmm. So what, uh, what herbs have you been working with, uh, lately outside of valerian? Oh, goodness. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking that I should do a little roundup of all the herbs that I use in a day. It's so many. Um, I mean, I'm looking at my desk right now and I have three tinctures. There's mushrooms, metabolism, and some bitters. I'm drinking mushrooms in fresh ginger juice that I made this week. There's a fragrance that I'm developing that's an essential oil-based fragrance. Uh, and then I have my little cup of supplements over here that are, you know, half herbs, which would be, uh, milk thistle for liver support, ashwagandha. I take four, I take twice a day, but sort of, you know, four capsules a day. Um, I'm always, you know, I'm always changing something, but let's, but I have a foundational routine that remains fairly stable so that I can understand, you know, how these things work long time, mm -hmm. oh, long term. Um, I always start my day with uh, some sort of mental health supportive herbs like Panax ginseng. I have that in a blend with um, L-theanine, 5-HTP and some uh, Chinese or is it Skullcap? Which Skullcap is it actually at this point? I don't remember the Bical or the let's find out and I have it here. It's the uh, it's the Bical so the Chinese Skullcap um, and then like Vitex, black cohosh, licorice, 
uh, blends. So for hormone balance and a little bit of uh, stamina, I really like licorice for that. All of my nutrition, you know, I consider herbal, of course. So primarily a plant-based diet. Uh, middle of the day, I do what I mentioned. So the liver support, the ashwagandha. Um, trying to remember what else is in there. Some other kind of uh, supplements. I'm using a lot of my clients right now are interested in um, berberine based supplements. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of chatter about that and, and uh, the, you know, uh, diet drug industry. And then come happy hour, there's always something that happens there. So it's usually bitters and the nervines, uh, valerian, passionflower, lavender, uh, skullcap, chamomile. That's always kind of rotating if I'm making drinks or taking something. I'm a big kava fan. So often using kava at that time of day. And then before bed, you know, some some version of that as well. So right now I'm using a blend uh, for sleep that includes valerian, uh, reishi, turkey tail, rooibos, um, chamomile, and passion flower. And I mean, and I'm using that in another like uh, tea blend that includes blue lotus and date seed and some other things. So there's so many, so many errors. So personally, you know, personally, it's a lot. Professionally, I don't know if there are necessarily any real themes uh, because it just depends so much on the individual. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like your approach of using herbs at different times of the day. I do that. Uh, mm. I do that as well. I like to take uh, rhodiola and Saint John's wort uh, mm. earlier uh, in the day, and and sometimes yeah. other um, adaptogenic herbs, mm-hmm. um, and then later later in the day, like passion flower, kava, kava, and things like that to kind of, uh, wind down. Um, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Rhodiola. I, I love rhodiola. I don't, I don't have any of it in my routine right now, but I think it might be time to reintroduce it. Every time I talk about an herb, I want to add it in. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's talking about rhodiola yesterday. And it's like, maybe it's time. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's a great one, especially it's very uh, synergistic with uh, St. John's Ward. It tends to mm. potentiate its effects uh, quite a bit because they have a lot oh, of overlapping effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's re- really useful for this time of the year as it starts getting yes. uh, darker and things like that. We get less sun. There's a lot of, you know, seasonal depression and and things yeah. like that. And uh, St. John's Ward is probably one of my favorite uh, herbs. It has like solar yeah. energies they talk mm. about. Uh, it's been used since ancient times. Paracelsus talks about it. Um, the legendary herbal alchemist uh, used to like drive away evil spirits and things like that, mm-hmm. which today we might call, you know, depression, anxiety, and all mm-hmm. those kind of things. So I really love working with uh, St. John's War in particular, especially if you can get the the fresh uh, flowers and make a tincture. And yeah. it's just this like beautiful crimson color. It's one of the first tinctures I, I ever made. And Wow. That'll, that'll turn user. you into an herbalist. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Where um, do you get your flowers? Uh, I got them from Pacific Botanicals. It's a oh. farm out in uh, Southern Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know the point that it was potentiated by rhodiola. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'll use that. Mm-hmm. It also goes really good with uh, passion flower as well. Mm. Yeah. Mm, for sad, for seasonal affect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of, uh, I'm, I mean, this issue has always existed, right? Adrenal burnout, exhaustion, 
things like that. Mm-hmm. What's your what's your view on that, and how do you approach it through herbalism? Yeah, yeah, big one: adrenal fatigue and and burnout, right? Yeah, so there's so many there's so many points to make about it. I think you know one point is just the the conversation to have around the productivity uh, and also the caution that we might want to issue around sort of like overdiagnosis and self-diagnosis and the, you know, the benefit of, of a diagnosis in general. And, um, you know, do, do, does someone quote unquote have adrenal fatigue or not? And, and what are your symptoms? So, um, that's a little bit of a separate point, but I think that issues like, um, like adrenal fatigue and, and, and burnout can, can raise that issue. Um, you know, I think one, one angle that's important to consider is that the cause of this state is, um, not a deficiency in herbs, right? So like the cause of this state is the state of one's life, most likely. you know, in 99% of the cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously we want to look at the cause and, and, and say, you know, what, what needs to be done from a diet and lifestyle standpoint to help to, uh, write this, this imbalance, because just adding herbs into the equation, um, is not going to be enough long-term, uh, and sometimes can be problematic, usually not, but sometimes. Um, so obviously, you know, starting there and then, from a herbal standpoint, I am generally using, you know, the the kind of counter to mainstream thought approach that's normal in herbalism, which is like, let's restore the system, let's repair the system so that it can function optimally, as opposed to let's inject more stimulation to try to push more energy, you know, out of this body that's already exhausted. So using um, nervines for sure to help to restore nervous system imbalance, which is probably part of the equation. Um, and then adaptogens. So some of the nourishing adaptogens like uh, cordyceps would be great here. Ashwagandha is another one. Both of those are calming. Obviously, ashwagandha is supportive of cortisol levels. Um, I also, in a lot of cases, but not all, it depends on somebody's constitution and what else is going on. Um, the licorice can be really helpful. So mm-hmm. licorice, um, you know, working with cortisol levels and kind of, kind of improving the efficiency of the cortisol that we are producing already without asking the body to overproduce via like caffeine or something like that. Um, I really like David Winston has some formulas for adrenal fatigue and I constantly reach for that book and kind of reference that when I'm treating that state. Um, but yeah, it's, it's usually a combination of diet lifestyle nervous system rehabilitation and then you know hpa access rehabilitation via uh, adaptogens that are non-stimulating primarily you know Mm -hmm. if somebody really we need to be we need to heal from that state before we ask our body to then um, produce you know more energy Um, so i don't i don't generally use like rhodiola for example in those cases Uh, of course there would be a place for it but usually i would save that until later on so Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's far more yeah. uh, stimulating and it kind of mm-hmm. has a lot of benefits there for like endurance, physical mm-hmm. activity. It kind of yeah. has more of that like physical adaptogen quality as yeah. opposed to ashwagandha, which is ca- kind of more on the nervous system and hormones uh, side mm-hmm. of it. 
Yeah. Anything, anything that, uh, that you love to, to do for adrenal fatigue and burnout? Yeah. So there's uh it really takes like a holistic approach of viewing all the aspects. I mm. mean, as a, as a naturopath, finding the root cause is the most important thing. So what are the root causes of the stress? Can they be mm. eliminated? Can there be, uh, alternated with something else. So, so finding out what are the, really the biggest stressors, Mm -hmm. um, and approaching it from that angle, then you, of course you have the adaptogen herbs and they're all used for uh, different purposes. I think it's Mm -hmm. very, um, have you ever heard of a general adaptation syndrome? Mm. No, but I like the sounds of it. Very, uh, very fascinating to look into is the work of, uh, Hans Selye. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically what he what he found in his research is that there's different stages of what you would call burnout mm-hmm. or you might call it adrenal fatigue. He didn't use those words, but it's pretty much all the same thing. It's when the body is under uh, chronic, unmitigated, unadapted to stress, yep. it wreaks absolute havoc on every system in the body on uh, obviously on our adrenals, hormones, blood sugar balance, our nervous system, our heart, yeah. everything. And he talked about it in terms of stages. He talked about that there was three uh, stages of this general adaptation syndrome, which was basically the long-term health effects of unmitigated stress. And so uh, basically those stages went from in the beginning of like hyper, uh, hyper arousal, uh, anxiety, um, kind of that kind of cortisol and epinephrine response where it's just like yeah. constant stress. And there's all, uh, you know, a lot of energy expenditure all the time. Yeah. Um, and then as if that's not addressed later on, it got into stages of just complete exhaustion where that, right. that normal stress response now wasn't even, uh, triggering, uh, one to get motivated to take some action to handle the stress. Um, and at that level, it's just exhaustion, no motivation, just pure tiredness. Um, so I think it's a very useful way to approach, um, what you would call adrenal fatigue or burnout Mm -hmm. is, is knowing where you are in that Mm -hmm. progression because you use different, uh, herbs depending Mm -hmm. on where you are. Um, Mm -hmm. for example, when it does get to that, uh, kind of exhaustion stage, you use things like rhodiola, which are really stimulating. Mm, yeah, yeah. The whole, um, the whole theory behind it, the way I view it is as, as you said, which I completely agree with, like these conditions are not due to a lack of herbs. So the question <laughs> is, how do we use the herbs to help the person actually address the real world, uh, real world problems. Right. Right. So if they're having a lot of stress, fear, anxiety around a certain situation in their life, then helping get their body into a state where they can actually adequately address them. And then that fundamentally solves the problem. Yeah. So that's the best way to approach it. Otherwise it's just kind of long-term use of herbs. Uh, the thing about our stress system is it's adapted over millions, arguably Mm. billions of years. Mm -hmm. So we approach life in a lot of ways in modern culture from a very kind of abstract from the mind way. Mm -hmm. But our uh, body's stress response is meant to be helpful. Um, When it doesn't become helpful, 
is when there's just so many sources of uh, of stress um, that it's like it just like shuts down. It goes into like yeah. freeze and yeah. and panic and all that kind of thing. And yeah. that's unfortunately one of the major downsides to modern life in some sense. It's an upside mm-hmm. that we're not getting mm-hmm. chased around by tigers and stuff. <laughs> At least then like the threat was like very obvious. And then when it sure. went away, it went away. Uh, sure. But we have like this like ongoing uh, like intellectual abstract stresses. Yeah, yeah. Mainly yeah. based in the past and future, which mm-hmm. are also uh, very useful abstractions, but can get quite uh, caught in. So that's <laughs> kind of the general way that I view how to deal with this uh, burnout. Obviously, it's replenishing, getting all the pieces into motion. Uh, mm-hmm. Herbs can be incredibly helpful. Obviously, the adaptogen herbs help a lot. And what mm-hmm. I've noticed with uh, clients and patients and also with myself is a lot of these herbs like rhodiola or St. John's wort, ashwagandha, they, when the stressor comes up, it causes Mm. seemingly less of a response. So like the thing that stresses you, it's still going to stress you. It's not going to make it go away because you need that stress to act. Uh, But it kind of smooths it out and makes you more resilient to it. That's kind of where the term um, adaptogen comes from. Actually, it's from uh, Hans Selye work, I believe. Um, he, no, Oh, it was, it was somebody else. It was somebody else. Yeah. I think it was, um, Russian, uh, studies yeah. in the sixties, right. Or late fifties. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, the, I love, yeah. That last point that you made, it reminds me one client at one point said that ashwagandha felt like it put a lid on her freakouts. Mm-hmm. Like there was only a, a, you know, a point to which they could re- react and then, you know, they weren't going to overreact. So yeah, you have that reactivity. Um, actually, David Hoffman has a really fascinating description of the um, some of the sort of mechanisms of action of that arc, mm-hmm. um, and I only encountered it fairly recently, um, where he's describing some of the some of the specifics in terms of blood sugar and stress hormones that are that are um, uh, rising and falling as a result of um, the ad- adaptogenic actions. So, yeah, fascinating, fascinating things. Mm-hmm. And of course, like uh, mindfulness and mind body tools are probably yeah. one of my most utilized things for myself and for helping others because yeah. you don't need to uh, have anything with you. You could do it at any time. And um, it's one of the best tools for kind of calming down that stress response so that it doesn't become kind of more uh, chronic, which is kind of the the state of modern Western civilization. It's a state yeah. of chronic uh, chronic stress. Yeah, so it's true. What uh, I want to shift gears a little bit here. Sure. What are some herbs that you find useful for gut health? Hmm. Yeah. Gut health. That's another, that's a biggie. That might, I, I don't know, which is, you know, actually I was going to say, which is, which is more, um, which is more chronic and kind of prevalent these days, burnout and, uh, you know, over stress or, or gut health, but, um, they are directly correlated, aren't mm-hmm. they? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, IBS is a perfect example of that where the, uh, nervous system and mood directly influence the gut. Obviously there's a very developed yeah. nervous system, the enteric nervous system in the gut. So. Amen. Yeah. So for gut health, um, I mean, I, I cannot say enough good thing about good things about digestive herbal bitters, uh, mm-hmm. otherwise known as bitters. <laughs> 
I mean, I say digestive herbal bitters at this point so that it's less off-putting because the idea of bitter is still so off-putting to so many people. But, um, you know, I haven't met anyone yet who doesn't need bitters. You know, they're uh, something that used to be a part of our food system, a part of our, you know, diet and lives on a, on a daily basis and have bre- been bred largely out of conventional produce and are rarely something that we um, seek, you know, we're rarely craving something bitter, uh, but so fantastic for, um, digestive function more than gut health per se. Uh, but again, you know, nearly one in the same. And, uh, I just, I, I think they're super important. I wish, you know, it was years ago that they started to become popular. Um, you know, I think along with the sober curious movement and this kind of non-alcoholic um, mm-hmm. interest or alternatives to alcohol interest. And I was really excited at the time. And I was like, bitters are going to be the next probiotics because probiotics were also like having their moment. Um, that hasn't happened yet, but I'm <laughs> still very hopeful that they could be that popular because they are that beneficial. You know, so many of us are aware now, like, are you taking a probiotic? Should I be? What kind? Um, I wish there were that kind of enthusiasm for bitters. So love those. Um, in addition to those for gut health, you know, setting aside the whole diet conversation or nutrition conversation, um, then it becomes a little bit more case by case. You know, I'll use a lot of um, mucilaginous plants, the high um, kind of slippery, slimy um, mm. prebiotic content, mm-hmm. like um, slippery herbs. elm, marshmallow root. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Licorice, um, plantain, uh, aloe. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent of, um, fiber in general, you know, soluble and insoluble, but a lot of us could benefit from more of the prebiotic fiber. So I use a lot of things like flax and chia and, uh, you know, psyllium husk fiber, acacia mm-hmm. or, um, apple pectin, things like that. And what else? Yeah. Depend, you know, if there's a lot of inflammation, then using some of the anti-inflammatory herbs internally, the, uh, calendula, you know, Oh, carminatives are wonderful. Right. So all of like chamomile, um, cardamom, uh, fennel, those are, those are just fantastic for improving, um, gas bloating, uh, you know, like mild motility issues, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, ginger too- and fennel too. I like yeah. that there. Yes. Yes. So good. So effective. I was just testing a supplement the other week that was, um, you know, it was fennel. It was like really high dose fennel and ginger and cardamom. And I can't remember. There was one other carminative in it. It's just, oh, I think it's mint maybe. Uh, so, so, so effective. Really, really love those plants. Um, and then the last note I was going to make is, is that a lot of times, um, people don't realize how beneficial turmeric is for gut health. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what is it not helpful for, but it's another one of those, um, prebiotics that can be in mushrooms. Yeah. So many, so yeah, mm-hmm. those are some, <laughs> yeah, those are depends, great. Depend, yeah. It depends on the issue. You know, we get, a little bit more um, specific about what people need. Right. And that's a really important key about uh, herbalism is it's really meant to mm-hmm. be individualized. So um, going back to that idea of, of finding the root cause, right? So yeah. let's say somebody uh, comes in and they have symptoms kind of like IBS or uh, 
uh, irritable bowel syndrome where they're going to the bathroom very frequently and uh, or they have a lot of gas and bloating. The first thing mm-hmm. uh, is to find out why that's why that's occurring. Yes, it could be from their diet largely. Maybe they're just eating, um, you know, fast food all the time, and they're not really sitting down and having like that parasympathetic, that bro- mm-hmm. uh, relaxed response because they're in a constant straight, uh, state of stress where they're running around, they're just eating on the go, and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, it could be directly uh, related to the nervous system activity. Mm-hmm. That's something I've noticed a lot, a lot. Uh, there's this idea of the brain gut access. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's very important for understanding any kind of uh, digestive issues or even uh, mood mood issues and nervous system mm-hmm. issues because they kind of go back and forth. Then there's yeah. uh, cases where there's like a flora, actual flora imbalance, or mm-hmm. somebody might just have a gastrointestinal infection. Yeah. So they all require different, uh, different approaches. Like for the mm-hmm. infection, things like, uh, things like garlic and licorice mm-hmm. are very useful. Yeah. Um, yeah. and one of the cool things about garlic is that in some studies, it showed that it preserved the, the normal healthy microflora bacteria mm-hmm. and eliminated the, uh, the negative ones, the ones that cause harm. Yeah. Uh, so it really comes down to, uh, finding out what's, what's really, uh, going on. And I think once you figure that out and it takes, it takes a while, it takes a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you do, then you really start noticing big, uh, big changes. Like I've had patients where they had a lot of gut issues and that's what they came to me specifically for. And mm-hmm. using adaptogenic herbs basically more or less resolved them because well, yeah. it was just so obvious that, it was so linked to their, their mood and their, their, uh, stress, stress levels that, yeah. uh, it, it was obvious that that was the best approach. Uh, but you can always take like a kind of whole approach where you, uh, and I like that approach too, where you use, you know, some, uh, soothing herbs for the gut anti-inflammatory, and then you address the nervous system as well. Yeah. 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 It's so true. You know, in that point, I mean, it never gets old. The, uh, what is the cause? you know, why do I feel this way? What are these symptoms leading me back to? And it's, I don't know, you know, at this point, because I'm the, I'm the one or, you know, we are the ones that are sort of saying it over and over again. I don't know if it sounds redundant or not. I I don't think that it can, because that is so much at the heart of how and why we are going to get what we all want, which is to be healthier, you know, mm-hmm. and it is, it just goes back to that over and over and over again. And it's a really big um, shift. I mean, it's a small shift to make, but it has enormous consequences. And it's big in terms of the scale of the sort of number of people generationally and culturally who are thinking in this symptom-based mindset and it's, you know, our, our healthcare system is set up in that way. Mm-hmm. What is your symptom? We will medicate it. Um, but as soon as we, you know, stop thinking in that way and shift back into the like, why, or what is causing this, um, the, the path forward, it just looks, you know, it looks completely different. So, um, that's something that I'm 
really, really focused. I, you know, we've always been focused on it, right? Because that is what functional health and herbalism are about. Um, but I think how to communicate that is something that I'm really, really working on right now. Um, getting people excited mm-hmm. about it and being as clear as possible. Mm-hmm. So. And that comes back to the what we were speaking out about before of how to start in herbalism. Yeah. First, you need like a groundwork or a system, mm-hmm. uh, some kind of uh, like philosophy for how you're actually going to choose which herbs you're using. Yeah. And uh, so there's the kind of more like biomedical approach, which you can use. But un- unfortunately, that way is that same uh, symptom focused where it's mm-hmm. like ashwagandha showed great results for anxiety. And so somebody mm-hmm. has anxiety and they take ashwagandha. Maybe it helps a little bit with the anxiety, but it's might not be the the herb that actually deals with why they're having anxiety. Sure, uh, sure. They might be having anxiety for any number of reasons. They could have some something going on with their heart. They could have something going on with their gut. Um, mm-hmm. it, it could really be anything. So yeah. the symptomatic approach is very useful and getting kind of quick results. Unfortunately with herbs, because they are, uh, you know, a combination of uh, compounds, uh, and not like a pharmaceutical, which is like a hyper concentrated one compound, uh, herbs don't work as well for that kind of symptom based approach because they're Mm -hmm. just, uh, there's kind of this synergistic effect that happens with herbs. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where digging into the more uh, traditional uses of herbs comes in very helpful. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the interesting uh, interesting things you find when you study that system is that many herbs were used for many things. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason probably being is that there's different causes for like mm-hmm. somebody might have a cough and maybe ashwagandha helped them, but maybe it was a nervous <laughs> cough or something like that. Sure, so it's yeah. listed there in the, oh, this is, I'm just making that up. Ashwagandha is not typically used for, for coughs. <laughs> I like that uh, example. <laughs> but just, just like an example. So yeah, there's really a lot of information to kind of dig through. And yeah, one of my favorite things is uh, reading uh, about like how Ayurveda uses herbs, how uh, a traditional Chinese medicine uses herbs, how the Western tradition uses herbs, how alchemy, how the biomedical uses herbs, and then seeing like that kind of Venn diagram of where they overlap, mm. because mm-hmm. I feel like where they overlap is probably the most, the most true. If they can, sure. you know, if all the sources can agree that ginger is great for nausea, then it is. And yeah. of course it is because yeah. uh, that's experiential. So there's the experiential component and then so it's a big field of study. It's very difficult to do on your own, um, mm-hmm. but it is possible. There's a lot of resources and if there's a will, there's a way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, herbalism didn't start out as a, what I, what do I want to say? I want to say something like a medical profession, but it, it was, you know, it was part of our just daily lives, you know, it was the way that we lived. It was what we ate. It was what we used, you know, quote unquote at home. Um, it was, it was quite actually, you know, this, this, um, this way of life. So I think, you know, there of course are professionals and there are degrees of understanding that are, um, professional, but, uh, it doesn't require being a professional to work with herbalism on a daily basis. Right. And that's kind of the the separation between the systems because mm. herbalism has always been more of a folk tradition mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. it continues to be like that. There's not really any uh, common licensing body for herbalism. Right. Um, right. So 
so yeah, it's, um, there's many, many resources, many books, tons of online classes. You teach classes. I teach classes. So finding yeah. uh, an herbalist in your area that you want to learn from is, is probably the best approach. Um, yeah. Yeah. So where can people find your work? Well, uh, we have um, one website, youarsupernatural.com. So mm-hmm. that's the letter U, the letter R, supernatural.com. And everything is linked there. So there's the newsletter that you'll find there, which is also where uh, the podcast and show um, are hosted. So those are actually on Substack, but you'll find them on the main, main website. That's where our online store is. That includes my classes and our products. Uh, that's also where you can find years worth of free information at this point. So all of the articles um, and and videos and recipes and you know how tos, all of that content. There's there's literally just years and years worth of free content on the website. So. Um, I'm also on Instagram, which is where a lot of, um, new information gets put out first. And that's Rochelle Robinette on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your Instagram is great, by the way. I, I watch Thank all you. the time. It's very well, uh, <laughs> it's very well produced and has good uh, camera <laughs> editing and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's great uh, to thanks. see. Yeah. It's funny. Sometimes partners say like, you don't have to make a really, you don't have to make a nice video. Just, just throw something up, you know, but at this point, that's the wrong approach. Always, I know. And also that's boring <laughs> and uh, it's difficult and stressful enough to constantly be producing uh, content that you might as well enjoy it by making it good. And it need you know the world doesn't need more low quality content. Like, yeah, it doesn't like, need more advertising. Do it. it doesn't need more like product placement. <laughs> yeah. It needs more authenticity, I think. So I think that's a big movement within social media is like approaching that authenticity because it's become like a kind of advertiser's market basically where everyone's selling themselves or a product and things like that. And then, so the social aspect of it has kind of fallen to the wayside. Definitely diminished. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on the, uh, on the herbal hour podcast. I had a, a great time speaking with you as always. Yeah, I agree. And I look forward to the next conversation. I know there'll yeah. be a next one. Episode so we'll, three. We'll do that. Yeah, yes. I wonder what we'll focus in on. Something good, hopefully. <laughs> My book, probably at that yeah. point. <laughs> um, thank you what for is, the work that you do. What is your yeah. book uh, called, by the way? Yeah, definitely. So right now, um, the title is so it's a working title. Uh, It's subject to change up until uh, we've got some time. So right now, the title is uh, Thinking Naturally. So we'll, you know, we'll see if that, if that holds through all the way. Uh, I just started writing it um, this fall and it will be out as of now in early uh, 2025, but it'll be finished obviously well before then. There's a long, long lead time on book book publication. (laughs) Getting that uh, education out there. It's incredibly important. That is, that is what it will be about all the way. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and for some of uh, the audience who who doesn't know, I actually moved uh, to New York and I opened an herbal medicine store here in Sayville, New York, Long Island, quite close to to Brooklyn. You can learn more about that in the description. So I just felt Love like I that. should do a plug about that. Yeah, that's where I'm congrats. sitting recording. Yes, thank <laughs> you so much. On that. Of course.